So, Father God, we come before you, Father God, and we ask you for a revelation. We ask you for eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that are open and receptive to hear from you. And, Lord, we're asking you to show us things in your word that we have not seen before. And things that we have seen, we're asking that you make it, that you make it more clear, make it more real to us. Lord, we're asking for truth to be revealed. Truth and the, the, to be revealed and lies of the enemy and deception to be exposed and to be bought, brought to the forefront. And we thank you for it, Father. As we hear your word, we're not just going to be hearers, but we will be doers of your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Say, I'm a doer of the word of God. Say, I am a doer of the word of God. Amen. Go with me to two openings, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and then 2 Timothy 4. I got some, uh, I don't know, I think this may be a more sobering word, but uh, I've seen some things a little clearer than I have seen them before. I mean, I've seen these truths, but I'm seeing them in a different light, more clear than I have. And uh, I believe there's answers in the Word of God. There's answers in this Word that we will hear. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? The Word of God. You know, you can emphasize a lot of different things, but it's the truth that will make you free. You know, thank God for prayer. Thank God for times of worship. Thank God for laying on of hands, but the word of God is what has been exalted. I mean, he exalts his word above his very name. So this word, we should cherish it. We should go after it. We should hunger for it. Amen. Amen. But 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, believing with me, we pray you believe with me. That means, you know, we're actively using our faith, believing God that he's going to speak to us, speak through me, speak to you directly. You know, it doesn't have to just be something I said. The Holy Spirit will illuminate something to you that I didn't even say. And that's what we want. We want you to come away with, man, I heard from God. I, I received something that I didn't see before. Amen? But First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, we've been on this series we're calling the, the good fight of faith. And, you know, we're, we're not fighting the devil to get the victory. Jesus already got us the victory. He's already defeated the devil. The devil's been defeated. But what we're doing is we are enforcing the victory because the enemy is trying to convince us that we don't have the victory. He's trying to lie to us. He's trying to deceive us that we don't have the victory. He's, he's a thief. The enemy says he comes, the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we already have the victory. The devil has been defeated. The Bible says, so we're, we're free. We're, we have the victory. Jesus defeated the devil in, in, over sin, over sickness, over poverty, over demonic powers. How I many of the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did he do it? Did he, did he accomplish what he came to do? Yes, he did. I don't think he failed at what he came to do. No, he came to destroy the works of the devil, and that's what he did. I mean, the Bible says that in Colossians 2 that he completely wiped out the sin charges that were brought against us, and he disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a, a, a show of them, triumphing over them in it. He made a spectacle of them. He defeated the enemy. He defeated him, and then he gave us authority. He gave us authority. He said, I give you authority over all the power of the devil and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Do we have authority over the devil? We do. We have authority over him. We have authority over him. He is defeated. He's been brought to naught. And so we are not trying to get the victory. No, we already have the victory. We already have it in Christ. He's already bought and paid for it. But we're just enforcing the victory that we have in 2 Timothy 4, it says, I'm just going to go right to verse 7. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have 
kept the faith. Well, what, this fight is over our faith. Why say that? Why say I finished the race, I fought the good fight, I kept the faith? Why say that? Well, because there is a fight to keep the faith. <laughs> and sometimes there's going to be, a lot of times, there will be a fight to stay in faith. There is a fight to stay in faith. There is a fight to keep the faith. And the devil, he wants to keep us in the arena of the five physical senses. He wants, us, he wants to keep us in the sense realm where we are solely dependent on our, 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 what we feel, what we see, the circumstances. He wants to get us in that arena because if he can keep us in that arena, he can defeat us. But if we bring him in the ring of faith, in the arena of faith, the impossible becomes possible. What God said in his word becomes possible. But if we're looking at the circumstances and we're looking at the natural, which he wants us to do, we're going to be defeated because we'll let go of our faith. So even though Jesus got us the victory, even though he bought and paid for the victory, that doesn't mean that you have to receive it. And that doesn't mean that you have to hold on to it. You can let it go, right? The Bible talks about people will depart from their faith. What does that mean? They're going to depart from what Jesus did for them. For what, from what Jesus bought and paid for them, people will depart from the faith. See, we don't have to receive the victory that he bought for us, that he paid for. We can let go of it, and that's what the enemy's trying to do. But we got to say, no, I'm going to fight. I'm going to hold on to the victory. I'm going to hold on to my faith. Amen? And the faith is about trusting God's word to work for you. That's what this fight is about. It's about trusting God's word to work for you. Do you believe that God's word works for you? Yes. yes. That's what we're believing. That's what we're holding on to is what we're holding on to. This word is going to work for me. It doesn't just work for the big evangelists in Africa, in India. Right? Amen. Thank God. I, you know, I appreciate um, our friend, evangelist Randy Roberts, wasn't that good when he came here. And he was talking about that story that he gave of, uh, of the man that had the 15 cysts and was given six months to live. And he had a choice to make. He had believed God and prayed for people in the past. And based on his experience, it didn't seem like they got healed. But he said, I have to believe this word, that it's not based on my experience. It's based on what the word of God says. And how I many of you have to fight? That is a fight. That is a, that are, there is a fight going on inside you say, I'm going to believe this, not what I've experienced. Because what we experience is not the word of God. We need to believe God to elevate our experience, to lift our experience so that it matches the word of God. I mean, there's some wonderful, there's some amazing, there's some, if you will, mind-blowing things in the word of God. And you say, man, I haven't seen that. Well, let's believe God to see it. Don't people, that's where religion comes in. People say, oh, that's passed away. That's not for today. No, it just could be, could be that we are not believing God, that we're not holding on to what he's bought and paid for. See, people all the time want to excuse these things. We stick with the word of God. Jesus never, the word of God never says any of these things passed away. Healing is still for today. The Holy Spirit is still for today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is still for today. Amen. Speaking in other tongues is still for today. It didn't pass away with the last apostle. It's still for today. And we don't, and I don't care what we experience or what we don't experience, we are going to fight until we see this come to pass in our lives. Amen. But the fight is to get into that place of rest, to get into that place of trust. You know, that's uh, what unbelief will do is it will cause you to focus on what you can and can't do. And so you get an unbelief, what happens? You're in the sense realm. You're in the arena of your circumstances. What you see, what you feel, what you hear, the circumstances, what they're telling you. And when you're in that arena, when you're in that realm, you're in unbelief. And what happens is you're just looking at what I can do. You're not looking at what God is going to do and how he's able to come through. You're looking at what the Lord can, uh, what, what you can do. And if you get in that arena, the arena of unbelief, you will not be in rest. That's what happened to the first generation of Israelites. You guys remember that? Go to, go to Hebrews chapter 3 real quick. Hebrews chapter 3. 
Hebrews chapter 3. You got, you got time today for the word? All right. All day. All right. Hebrews chapter 3. Um, verse 17. It says, With whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. What kept them out of the rest? What kept them out of what God had for them? Unbelief. It wasn't God. God had this prepared for them before the foundation. He had the promised land, this place of rest for them, this place where they could cease from their own works. He had that prepared for them, but they didn't go in because of unbelieved. Verse 1, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest." Do you see that? When you believe, you enter into rest. What does that mean? You're entering into the place of where you're trusting God. You're not fighting to earn the victory. You are not fighting to try to get what he's already gotten paid for. You're into this place of rest where you just trust God's word. I, but there will be a fight to get into that rest. <laughs> there will be a fight to get into that place where you just trust God, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Who's experienced that? You, let's just use an example. Cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Scriptures, don't worry about your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Has there ever been a fight in your life where you had to fight to get into that place where you just trust? Right. Amen. There is a fight to get in to the rest. And as he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, verse 4, for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Is there a rest for us today? Yes, for he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Do you see that? Labor to enter into the rest. What is the fight about? You are fighting the good fight of faith so that you get into this place of victory. Get into this place of rest where you trust God, where you are not looking at how I can cause this to happen, how I can, not, how I can make this happen, how I can earn this. Whatever Jesus bought and paid for, we can't earn. He bought and paid for it. He already got the victory over it. Our salvation, bought and paid for it. And everything that comes with the salvation, all the benefits, he bought and paid for it. Our fight is to stay in the rest of that, to stay in that place of victory where we just trust, hey, the Lord said he's going to provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He's going to do it. The Lord said he's my healer, then he's my healer. You, there's a fight to get into that place of just completely trusting God. Do you see that? Yes. So what are we fighting? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians 10, yes. Hallelujah. It says, I'm reading from the New King James Version, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought and, uh, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What are we fighting? We're fighting these thoughts, these arguments, or the King James says imaginations. What is that? Imaginations. They're images. They're pictures. Yeah, the devil likes to bring images. He likes to bring pictures. So that fight, this fight means that we're going to have to deal with some thoughts, that we're going to have to deal with these arguments that come, these images that come. If we're going to fight the fight of faith, we're going to have to deal with these things. See, the mind is the doorway to the spirit. You guys follow me? The mind is the doorway to the spirit. And what you let in your mind through whatever the, the eye gate, the ear gate, through the mind, it can get into your spirit. It, j just, like you can, uh, the, just like you can eat something naturally and you can eat it and you can chew on it and chew on it and chew on it and eventually it will get inside of you. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. When you see something, you hear something, if you ponder it, if you meditate on it, you consider it, you imagine it, you see yourself doing it, what's happening? You're meditating on it, and that can get inside of you and become a part of you. We need to be very aware of the thoughts and the images that are coming to us. We need to be aware of what thoughts we're thinking, what imaginations we have. We need to be very aware of that. We need to have some type of firewall. You know, computers have firewalls, right? You know, they protect you. What do firewalls protect from? What do you, you guys don't know? You guys don't have firewalls? Fire, yeah, viruses, viruses. <laughs> they protect from viruses, right? Or, okay, let's just use another example if that one don't work. Uh, what, do, what does the offensive line do? The offensive line protects what? Protects the quarterback. I like this participation, yeah. It protects the quarterback, right? Right, the offensive line is out there. It's protecting the quarterback. And let's just imagine you have an offensive line, all right? And the offensive line is in front of you, and these thoughts are coming. These images are coming. The offensive line is there to protect you from these thoughts and images. Well, we need to protect ourselves from these thoughts and images. We need to have uh, some type of firewall, some type of guard in place so that we are aware of all these thoughts that are coming. We are aware of the images that are coming. And, you know, thoughts, they come to us all. I don't care how spiritual you are, how holy you are, how long you pray in tongues, how long you've been in ministry, how long you read the Bible, and how long you worship. Thoughts that are bizarre and weird come to every single person. Everybody. Everyone. It's what you do with them that matters. You know, uh, Doc, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, he said that in talking about thoughts and preventing them, he said you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head. Talking about th thoughts, talking about these imaginations. He said, but you can prevent it from building a nest in your hair. See, we are in control of what we think on. We are in control of what we meditate on. Yeah. Amen. We're in control of what we're meditating on, what we're thinking on, and we are not just helpless victims to the thoughts and the images that come to our mind. Right. No, your mind is your mind. It's your mind. Amen? Amen? Your mind is your mind, and we are not just, oh, no, this thought came. I can't do anything about it. No, you can. The Word of God is true. He said casting down. That means that you can do something about it. You know, there's a lot of people that think, hey, I can't help what I think. It's just who I am. It's just the thought just came. No, yes, the thought may come, but just because the thought comes, that doesn't mean you have to receive it. That doesn't mean you have to embrace it. That doesn't mean you have to meditate on it. You choose what you want to do with that thought or else this Bible is not true. Right. What the Bible says, it tells us some things to think about, doesn't it? It says whatever is what? True noble, virtuous, help me out, good report, praiseworthy, trustworthy, all these things. Think on these things. Well, that means you decide what you think on. Right. Amen? Amen? 
you are not just a, a victim to the thoughts the enemy throws at you. You decide what you want to think on. So we can help what we think. And so, you know, don't, don't get uh, discouraged. Don't get uh, where you feel, oh, something must be wrong with me if you had a thought come to you that was weird, that was bizarre, that was crazy. You know, don't think just because you had a thought to do something. You know, people have thoughts of suicide. Oh, no, I must be suicidal. No, just because a thought comes to you, that doesn't mean that that's who you are and who you have to be. You don't have to be the thoughts that come to you. The thought, if you're born again, the thought that came to you didn't come from inside of you. It came from outside here. You are born again now. The thought didn't come from your regenerated, born-again spirit. You are born of God now. It didn't come from the Holy Spirit. We know that. It came from out here. But you don't have to let it in you. You don't have to meditate on it. I mean, you know, this generation needs to hear that. They are confused about that. They are unclear. They just think whatever thoughts come, you just embrace it. You just allow it. No, that doesn't mean you don't have to embrace it. And you, just because you think it, that's not who you are. That's not who you have to be. Your desires, I mean, just because you have a desire, a desire doesn't have to define you. A desire does not have to make you somebody. People, you can have all kinds of crazy desires. You know, your desires need to be controlled. Right. <laughs> Amen? You need to learn how to fight wrong desires. And we need to learn how to cast thoughts down. Amen? Amen. Now, in talking about this, talking about the fight of faith, well, let's read verse 5 again. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought in captivity to the obedience of Christ. So any thought or image that is trying to get you to, the re to reject the word of God or question the word of God, you reject that thought. You reject that thought with the word of God. You speak to it, amen? The thought comes, the Lord doesn't love you. If he loved you, why would he allow this to happen? No, you reject that thought. You don't just accept that. You, you, that's why you need to know what the word of God says in those areas. You need to know, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on me, that he would call me a son, a daughter, a child of God. You need to start speaking the words of, uh, words of God to combat those thoughts. And if you need be, you know, I can tell, um, you ever call somebody and you can tell when they're depleted? You answer the phone and you, they, you call them, they answer the phone and you can tell, man, they are depleted, they don't have no energy, and they, the devil is beating them up. You can tell the devil is beating them up. Well, we've all experienced that before. That's why maybe you called them. You need to start speaking some life into them, speak some faith into them, encourage them. Tell them who they are in Christ. Remind them of what Jesus has done for them. Remind them of what Jesus has already bought and paid for. Remind them that the Lord loves them. He has a good plan for them, and they can fight this, and they can defeat this. Amen? Don't be embarrassed if you need some encouragement every now and then, all right? Don't be embarrassed if you need somebody to pray with you, to hook with you, to grab faith with you. You may need to call somebody and say, hey, remind me of who I am in Christ again, you know? Remind me of how the Lord loves me. Hey, we don't need to be embarrassed of that. We all have been there. We'll all have times where we're fighting and the enemy is, he's hitting us and we need some encouragement. Amen? Amen. Don't be embarrassed to do that. Don't be ashamed. Some people don't do that because of pride, because they don't want people to know, oh, I'm dealing with a little weakness. That's just pride. That's not humility. Humility will ask, hey, believe with me, hook with me, agree with me, pray with me. Amen? Amen. Now, if you have to do that every day for a year, well, okay, that might get like, hey, you got to read the word of God for yourself. How many you know David stirred himself up too? There's the, you got to do that too, you know, but what I'm, you guys know what I'm saying, that don't be ashamed to reach out and to say, hey, encourage me. I need some encouragement here. Amen. We all need some faith friends. Amen. Amen. Go with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Kind of picking up where we left off last week. 
uh, in verse, I'll start with uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice it didn't say the power of the devil. It said the wiles of the devil or his schemes or his trickery. No, the devil's already defeated. We, are, we have authority over him. We're not... We're not uh, putting on the armor because of the power of the devil. No, the devil cannot just do anything he wants to do in our lives. If he does, if he was able to, he would have done it already. If he was able to destroy us, he would have done that already. You guys realize that, right? He doesn't have that authority to do that unless we give him place, unless we give him access. And we'll talk more about that at another time, I believe. But it says that we are able to stand against the wiles of the devil what is that? That's his schemes, his trickery, which is deceptions. The devil's weapon, we, weaponry is deception, is lies that comes in the form of words and thoughts. And, you know, these thoughts don't just come to you nicely packaged with a little card that says from the devil. No, they're, they're sneaky. They're crafty. They're cunning. He comes to you very deceptively, subtly. So that you are almost unaware, you are, that, that it's him, that it's from him at first. Isn't that the picture of what happened in the garden with Eve? It says that, you know, he came and, and what is he doing? He's convincing her that what God said is not true. That's what these thoughts come to do, is to convince us that God's word is not true. That what God said is not true. And he did that with the enemy. He said no, or with Eve. He said no, that... The Lord just knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God's. And she chose to accept the enemy's words over God's words, which is exactly what the enemy wants. See, when you believe a lie, that is when you are deceived. See, when, you are, when, you, when you're deceived, you believe a lie is true. That's why people are blinded because they're believing that lies are true. We can get angry. We can get mad at, you know, people that are deceived, but they just believe that a lie is true, right? They believe that a lie is true. Where are you at? Verse 11, right? Verse, verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, uh, it goes on to say stand. Take up the whole armor of God. That means this is our responsibility. We have a responsibility, right? To take up the armor of God. The Lord does not put it on us for us, he says, you take up the armor of God. And it says, for the evil day. Now, a sobering thought that we don't <laughs> like to hear, but we're all going to be attacked. Whether we want to or not, we're going to be attacked by the enemy. Thoughts are going to come. Lies are going to come. Imaginations, arguments, they're going to come. These feelings, they're going to come. But the good news is the Lord has given us weapons to fight these thoughts with. He's given us weapons. In verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What I want you to notice is having girded your waist with truth. Now, this belt of truth, you, have, you know, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard all different sermons on the armor of God. But this belt of truth was not just some little tiny leather belt like, you know, we use to hold up our pants. This belt was talking about a Roman soldier's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not costume, Roman soldier's uh, armor. Thank you, thank you. It's right there. Uh, this Roman soldier's armor, they had this huge thick belt, leather belt, and it had everything they needed in there. And this belt connected all the other pieces of armor. And it also is where the sword was hooked to. So think of that. The sword and the belt are linked together. 
the truth, the belt of truth, and then the word of God. His word is truth. It's all linked together. All the armor was connected to the belt of truth. Is truth important? And this, this truth, this belt, was wrapped all the way around them. It encircled them. Is it important that we have truth, that we put on truth? It's important that we put on truth. Um, let me see here. We got so many ways we can go with this. Now, wh which truth are we talking about? <laughs> are we talking about my truth, your truth? No, we're talking about the truth. Jesus, right? The, the truth. There is only one truth. That means all this other stuff can only be a lie. So there's only one truth. So people can say my truth, your truth, live your truth. That's deception. That is just a lie. There is only God's truth. Anything else is a lie. Now, I know I'm having you turn to some scriptures, but I want you to see this. Go with me to John chapter 8. People are ignorantly and unknowingly, when they say things like that, phrases, my truth, your truth, what they're really saying is the devil's lies. They don't know that, but that's what it is. So this belt of truth is important. Without the belt of truth, and actually if you look at all these other description, uh, these other armor pieces, now it's not, we don't want to get hung up on, these are, this is an illustration. The armor is an illustration. But all these pieces, righteousness, faith, if you look at them, they all have to do with truth. All has to do with truth. And truth is the one that, the belt of truth is the thing that holds it all together, holds it all in place. In John 8, verse 31, it said, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, or the King James says, If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free. See, they believe something to be true that was a complete lie. Jesus is saying they're not free. If you know the truth, you'll be made free. The truth will make you free. And they're like, how can you say we'll be made free? We, we've never been in bondage to any man. See, they thought they were free, but they were in bondage. And that's exactly what the enemy's lies do. You think that you have the truth, but you're really in bondage. You're really fettered. You're really enchained. And it was evident by what they were saying. They wanted to kill Jesus by their actions. They wanted to kill Jesus. If you read the rest of this, they, they were so angry at Jesus. They were so mad at him. They wanted to kill him. And he said, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. It said, he abode not in the truth. The truth is not in him. When he speaks, Jesus is saying this, when he speaks, he speaks a lie because he is the father of lies. Isn't the devil the father of lies? He's the father of lies. So what happens is when someone accepts what the devil says, accept the lies, what's happening is that they are being led by him. They are following him. And they can't see anything else, only what he wants them to see. Because they are deceived. They are living in a lie. When you believe the enemy's lies, you are in bondage to the devil. And he is pulling you along so that all you see is what he wants you to see. All you experience is what he wants you to experience. Are you following me? Second Corinthians 4, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. You can stay there. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. How is the devil blinding the lost? How is the devil blinding the lost? Is he taking a blindfold? Is he putting it around their head? Are their eyes so they can't see? No. no. Are, you, are you guys following with me? No. It says, 
If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. No, they, he's not just taking a blindfold and putting it around their eyes. It's deception. He has blinded them with deception. He has presented them deception. They believed it. They received it. And now the truth is hidden from them. They don't see the truth. Do you see that? They don't see the truth because they're received. They received a lie. They are seeing what the devil wants them to see because they have accepted the lies as truth. See, the lies of the enemy, they blind you. They bl they, the lies of the enemy, they blind and they put you in spiritual bondage so that all you see is what he wants you to see and the truth is hidden from them. Think about that. We, you could, we can get angry with people. We can get upset with people. But they are completely blind to the truth. It is completely hidden from them. They don't see it. They don't see the truth. But aren't you thankful that you saw the truth? Aren't you thankful that you saw the light? Thank God for the truth. And, and there's more truth to be seen. Amen? Is there more truth to be seen? Have we seen all the truth that there is to be seen? No. no, that means that we can be more free. And, you know, when you find out some truth in the word of God, it is freeing. It is freeing. I, I don't know. You, I'm sure you've experienced it, but maybe you were reading the word of God and you saw something. You're like, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. And your eyes were open and you saw how the enemy had deceived you. You're, I'm talking about as a believer, as a Christian, how you didn't see it as clear. And you've been walking in, maybe you're walking in some uh, pride, some anger, some selfishness, and the Lord exposed it to you. He, shone, he, he shined the light on it. And you're like, oh, my Lord. And maybe you have some tears fall from your face. You're like, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. And you saw the truth. And it broke you free. It freed you from the enemy. It freed you from what he's trying to do. He's trying to blind you and deceive you and trying to keep you in chains in this area. And the Lord came in and broke the chains, shined the light on it, so now that you're free. Well, how many know we don't know everything? That means there's some other areas in our lives that we can get more free in. That's why we need to be humble and not act like we know everything. Because we got to remember, hey, just a few weeks ago, you didn't see that as clear as you do now. And now you're more free. Amen? Amen? I know sometimes you can see in people's lives when they are completely blind to something that because you've seen it for yourself, because the Lord showed it to you, and then you see it manifest in them. Well, sometimes the Lord will use you, but sometimes you can't say anything to them about it. You just have to pray for them, let the Lord show it to them, let the Holy Spirit deal with them. But you want to because you see, man, the enemy has completely deceived them about this area. If they just see the truth, they'll be free. Amen? They'll be free. But we're, we're free. We're on our way to freedom. But I want you to see this. Um, and now we're still talking about fighting the good fight of faith, right? We're talking about putting on the belt of truth. Or another way you could see that, say that, the belt of truth, is what Jesus said continue in my word, continue in my truth, or abide in my truth. Then you'll be my disciples indeed. So what does that mean? You are putting on the belt of truth. If you're his disciples and you continue in his word, continue in his truth, abide in his truth, you're putting on the belt of truth. And what is the belt of truth going to do? The belt of truth is not a defensive piece of the armor. Or I'm sorry, it, I, I said that wrong. It's not an offensive piece of the armor. Actually, the only part of the armor that's offensive is the sword of the spirit, which we'll get into that. But the belt of truth is a defensive part of the armor. So what is truth going to protect us from? The lies and deception of the enemy. So that means that in order to be protected, we need to have this truth. We need to live in this truth. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, the fact that Jesus had to say, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
That means there will be people that initially believe, but won't continue in the truth, won't put on the belt of truth. So if they don't put on the belt of truth, they're going to be deceived. They will lose the faith. They will lose the fight of faith. They will not remain faithful to the truth. Is it important that we remain faithful to the words of Jesus, to the truth? Yes, it is. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, let me just give you some background on this. Paul is writing to clear up some confusion. The Holy Ghost through Paul is clearing up some confusion because these people at Thessalonica <laughs> um, received some confusion concerning the second coming of Jesus. They thought from somebody impersonating Paul or whatever it may be that in his letters that Jesus had secretly come, that he already came for the church. It already had taken place and they're left here. And because of that, they become idle and they became busybodies. And you can see that, right? If you, hey, Jesus already came. Well, pff, what do I got to live for now? You know, so, so this is, Paul is addressing this, the Holy Spirit through Paul. And verse one, it says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV, sorry. Whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by a letter asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Aren't you glad about that? Glory to God. The, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. How does Satan work? He, he deceives, he tricks, right? He deceives with images, with thoughts. I mean, you know, he's going to be, the Revelation talks about he's going to be thrown into a pit, locked up for a thousand years. And you know what he's going to do after he's released, for a thousand, after those thousand years? He's going to come back out and still deceive people. After a thousand years of being locked up, he's going to be released be freed, and he's going to go out there deceiving people. He's never going to learn his lesson. Well, you don't pray for the devil. He's just, he, there's, no, there's no victory for him. There's only defeat. There's no salvation for him. So to save the devil so he stops deceiving me. No, it's never going to happen. That's why you got to learn how to fight. Amen. But this is how he works. He deceives the whole world, the Bible says. And it says he will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve what? The lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Wow. Why do they perish? Because they refuse to love the truth. Why are they not protected? Because they refuse to love the truth. What is, what, is, what is saving? You are protected from the wrath to come. What does the belt of truth do? It protects you from the lies and deception of the enemy. People are not protected. People are not saved because they refuse to love the truth. The Living Bible says it this way. He will completely fool those who are on their way to hell because they have said no to the truth. They have refused to believe it and they love it. They refuse to believe it and love it and let it save them. Should we love the truth? Should we embrace the truth? We need to love the truth. 
We need to embrace the truth. We need to stay in the truth, even if it embarrasses us. What do I mean by that? Even if the truth exposes something in your life that is not, you know, pretty, that you need to repent of, and maybe have to repent in front of people, you need to love the truth more than you love yourself, more than you love something else, right? Love the truth. We don't need to be in fear of the devil's deception, but we need, to be, we need to be aware of it. We need to be alert and aware of his schemes and devices. But if we love the truth, the Lord can get to us. He can protect us if we love the truth. If we say, no matter what, I love the truth. I, even if it exposes me, even if it embarrasses me, I love the truth. I love the truth. Say, I love the truth. Uh, now, you know, most people would not admit that they don't love the truth, right? Most people are not going to say, you know, I don't love the truth. I don't, uh, you know, I don't care for the truth. No, most people don't say that. What happens is that they love something else more than they love the truth. They love their life. They love their lifestyle. They love their reputation. They love how people perceive them. Do you see that? They love family. They love other things above the truth. And because of that, when the truth is shown on them, when the truth shines on them, when the light shines on them and exposes something that they have to change, I love my life more. I I love my lifestyle more. I I love how people perceive me more. I I can't change. I'm not going to do that person is vulnerable to the enemy's deception. If we don't love the truth, we are vulnerable to being devoured by the devil. It's a serious thing to not love the truth. The truth is not open for discussion. The truth is not open to be adapted to what we want and to how we think. No, we don't adapt to the truth. We don't try to get the truth to adapt to us. We adapt to the truth. If we don't, the enemy can deceive us and we can get to a place where we can't be protected, where we can't be saved, where we will perish if we don't embrace and love the truth. How much time? We're, we're in, uh, well, you're still in Second Th- Thessalonians. Go back to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. If you refuse to love the truth, what else is there to believe? A lie. If you refuse to love the truth, all that's left is a lie. No, we we don't want to love a lie. We want to love the truth. Say, I love the truth. truth. Now, in John 8, um, I don't want to take the time to read all this. But this is that argument where Jesus is going back and forth with the religious leaders. And, uh, well, you know what? Maybe we just need to read it. <laughs> it's, it's good. Starting in verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. His word is truth right? And, it, and what, so why do they want to kill him? Because his word, his truth has no place in him. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do that what you have seen in your father. They answered and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father, Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. 
and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Now, these are religious people. These are the people that claim to be the most religious, the most, you know, educated people of Jesus' day. And he's saying, you're of your father, the devil. And these people are supposed to be the ones who are teaching people truth. And truth himself is speaking to them, and they are rejecting truth. They are rejecting truth that's right in front of them. And why are they choosing to reject it? Why would you choose to reject truth, which you say that you preach and teach? Why would you choose to reject truth? Now, this is back then, but is this happening today? Do people reject truth that claim to have truth, that claim to know and be enlightened? Do they reject truth and they are mad at people like us who embrace the truth and tell the truth? You know, never, let me say this, never be ashamed of standing up for the truth. Even though you may not reach people who are blinded by the devil, you are encouraging other people, other brothers and sisters, when you stand up for the truth. Because when you stand for the truth and you say, no, this is the word of God, that encourages your brother or sister in the Lord. They're saying, hey, man, you know, I was wavering here, but I see their boldness. I see how they're not wavering, and that encourages your fellow brother or sister. It really does. It really encourages. When you see someone being bold and being unashamed of the truth, it's encouraging, right? Who's experienced that? You're like, yeah, that's the truth. Maybe you're, the enemy was hitting you with some thoughts like, man, am I being, you know, uh, archaic here? And then you hear somebody say, no, this is God's word. It's never going to change. This is what it says. You hear the scripture being quoted. That encourages you, amen? amen. But why? Why would they be in a rage and an anger at the truth? Go back a, a couple of chapters to, verse, uh, to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3, John chapter 3. It says, uh, and, and I'll start with verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Do you see that? When people reject the truth, when they reject the light and they embrace a lie, what's going on here? They love something else more than they love the truth. It says here they love darkness rather than light. They rather live in a lie. This is why people are trying to force you to accept their ungodly lifestyles. Because the truth exposes the sin. The truth exposes the darkness. So let's force everyone to believe this lie. Because if we force people to believe this lie, then, hey, everyone's in darkness and no one is exposing the truth to us. When you expose the truth, it's like, ah, no, turn off the light. It's like a room full of roaches. You turn on the light, they scatter. Right? <laughs> No, people don't want the light exposed because it exposes their lies, it exposes their darkness, it exposes the deception they're living in. And they love that more than the truth. People may say, no, if I saw some truth, if I saw the reality of God, I would believe it. No, you wouldn't. You've already saw some. And you rather live in darkness than, a, than the light, than the truth. Verse 20, it says, for everyone practicing evil uh, hates the light 
and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Why do people hate the light? Because they don't want their deeds to be exposed. Why did the religious leaders get so angry that they wanted to kill Jesus? Because they were being exposed for who they were. And they couldn't take it. They couldn't handle it. They refused the truth that was right in front of them. I'm still talking about the good fight of faith. We must put on the belt of truth. We must abide in the truth. No matter how it makes us feel, Lord, help me get this across. No matter what we think, no matter how many times we have to apologize in a week to somebody, we love the truth. No matter what we have to change, no matter what we have to give up in our lives, we love the truth. If we want to be protected from the deception of the enemy, we have to love the truth. We have to abide in the truth. If we don't want to perish, we have to love the truth. Do you see that? You know, what happens is when people don't want something a certain way, they refuse the truth. They don't want it a certain way, so I don't see that. They're pretending they don't see it, but they see it. We cannot do that. You know, you could have some situations in our own lives. I'm talking about the world, but also us. There could be some things in your personal life the Lord is showing you. You need to make that right with them. You need to apologize to them. You need to, you need to repent of that, that situation. You need to love them. You need to get rid of that pride. You need to get rid of that anger, that impatience. If you love what you love more, if you love yourself more, you are in deception. And the enemy can devour you. We don't want the enemy to devour us. We want to put on truth. We want to love the truth. We want to stay in truth. Because if we don't love the truth, there's nothing else to believe but lies. And that, that's actually what's happening in our text. Uh, well, I'm going to just read it. You don't have to turn there. Second Timothy 4, where he says, Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and te- teaching. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. People are turning to fables, fantasies, lies, as long as it justifies them living in their lifestyle they want to live in. As long as they don't have to change. I'll believe that. That pastor is saying that we'll affirm your lifestyle. You can live any way you want to live. I'm going to that church over there. No, we're going to love the truth. We're going to love the truth and we're going to hate the lies. Amen? Where we, verse 20, uh, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. 21, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. We want to love the truth, run to the truth, no matter what. I don't care. If it shows me up, if it makes me wrong, if I have to humble myself before everybody and say, man, I, I was completely wrong. When the truth reveals it to me, hey, I'm, I'm after it. I want it. Do you want the truth? Yeah. I, I want the truth above everything. If I, if I look foolish, I look foolish. I want the truth. It, 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 are you seeing the Father's heart here? He wants to protect us. He wants to keep us. He wants us to be protected from the deception of the enemy. But we must love the truth. We must embrace the truth. And anything that you, you, you notice, any inkling that there is something in you that is trying to reject what you know that you see, someone points something out to you, there is a correction that takes place, a rebuke, an instruction, and you are tempted to, to not see it, Mm. you want to change. You don't want to run from the truth. You don't want to hide from the truth. You want to love the truth. You want to say, no, I I need that. I need the truth. I need the truth. Amen? The truth will make you free. The truth is a good thing. See, the flesh 
wants to avoid the truth sometimes. It's like, uh, I don't want to see that. But actually, we're avoiding what will cause us to be free, what will cause us to walk in the light. How I many of the Bible says his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path? You want to walk more clear? You want to walk where you see? Get in the truth. Abide in the truth. Let the, let the truth expose what's going on in your life. Amen? Say, I love the truth. And that's the same thing as saying I love Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So when you say you love the truth, you said I love, the, you said, I love Jesus. Say, I love the truth. That's the same thing as saying I love the word because Jesus said, thy word is truth. His word is truth. So when we say we love the truth, we're talking about we love Jesus. We love his word. And how many know the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth? Amen? So say, I love the truth. And I hate a lie. And this is going to protect us. This will keep us. Amen? Amen. Well, go ahead and stand with me. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.